This is the ID Fanatic podcast coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. The podcast where we talk to real instructional designers for one half hour about their lives, their careers, and how they keep it all together. Today, I have the pleasure of talking over several time zones with Dean Cook, co-founder of Obsidia, an e-learning and digital design firm based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. Dean, how are you? I am good. How are you? Good. Today was Mother's Day in Canada. I think it was in Australia too. Yeah, I think we are. I think we align a lot with different holidays, actually. So, mm. uh, do you do anything special? Ah, uh, we actually. <laughs> it sounds very stereotypical, but we went to a, a lunch place called Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> Not stereotypical anymore. At least, you know, I couldn't take my mum out to lunch, so you guys are ahead of us that way. Yeah, yeah. It's actually quite um interesting. Um, I have a team all over the world, and but it is um interesting how some countries are coming back to normality before mm. others. So, who was at the lunch? Uh, myself, my fiance, her mum, her dad, their mother, and uh, Taylor, my fiance's uh, brother. And your folks? Uh, no, my uh, my mum lives in Darwin, um, which is the tippy top of Australia, um, thirty six uh-huh. hour drive away. Or five-hour plane ride, um, oh my but goodness. it is one of the hottest places in Australia. So I, uh, I tend not to venture up there too often. Gold Coast, though, sounds like fun. Yeah, um, it is one of Australia's kind of main capitals um, in terms of a tourist destination. So you've got the the theme parks, you've got the beach, you've got the kind mm-hmm. of surface paradise city um, that if you pop it into Google, you'll see. But what people don't realise is that it's also we also touch one of the world's largest rainforests. Um, we've got a lot of um, kind of different things to do and experience other than that kind of main hub. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a great place. Uh, so you've been in the workforce for 10 years? I'd say about, you know, seven. Depends on what you say in, in the field. So uh-huh. learning and development corporate specifically, yes, mm-hmm. like five to ten, uh, sorry, five to seven years. Yeah. Um, however, with a lot of the stuff that instructional designers are doing today, Um, some of those things I started, you know, in, in high school or or even in primary school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah, I guess so. The time you grew up in. Well, it's funny. Um, with it, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly the generation of growing up, not knowing what Google is or what a computer is. Um, our our primary school still, it was a big celebration when we got four computers for our library room Mm. (laughs) and then nobody knew how to use them. So still growing up in that age where. I understand what life without a computer was like, but I'm very much into high school in, in terms of assignments and how we'd have to do those assignments. And then coming into the workforce, it was um, very, very computer-centric. You've had a, a varied career, but what our listeners would really like to know about is what it's like to work at SeaWorld. Yes. Um, so I worked at SeaWorld. Um, it was one of my first office jobs. But yeah, I remember, yeah, starting there and day one was exciting because first on the agenda was to go and actually watch a dolphin show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd seen it a couple of times before. Obviously, growing up on the Gold Coast, it's actually quite cheap to get into the theme parks. They do local discounts. But actually having to sit there for an hour for work um, was like, oh, wow, this is this is amazing. Um, I was you know, 20 at the time. So yeah. to me, I was like, oh, I've made it. <laughs> this, is, this is great. <laughs> So after that, you spent six years or so working as an instructional designer at Foxtel. They're a major television provider, is that right? 
Yeah, so if you think about Foxtel um, kind of like the cable TV, so yeah, they were kind of um, a massive uh, monopoly um, in Australia for a very long time until the Netflixes and the Amazons came along. So how did you end up working there? Taylor, my fiance, who I mentioned previously, her dad mm. uh, had a friend uh, who he did the uh, horse shoes for. So Taylor's dad's a farrier. I managed to get a job on the phones doing like billing um, mm. for for Foxtel. Yeah. Um, and then within kind of, you know, those, those first couple of uh, months or years, transitioned myself into that kind of learning quality kind of role and then facilitator role and then eventually that instructional design role. How did you get your instructional design training? I had uh, someone kind of uh, basically mentor me. So kind of came in with without any of like the learning principles or knowledge of learning design, just from right. just what I had from facilitation. Um, so I was kind of learning them, but like learning them slowly, um, being so busy with teaching. Um, and then it, as a comment for the instructional designer came up. Um, so I kind of came into that with more of a graphic design, multimedia kind of design thinking kind of strategy. And then over the course of the, the many years was mentored by some, some really great learning and development leaders, all very different, all giving me different pieces of knowledge to really help me grow in that space. No, it sounds great. Did you end up specializing in gamification or how did, how did you get into that? So I remember, <laughs> so my first ever e-learn was, was a set-top box and on top of that box was an isometric design of a little city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was for a box release and I called it, you know, the box city and people would go around the city with all like moving cars and moving clouds and... and um, took a long time <laughs> it's actually a lot longer than we, we get to spend on these things nowadays but uh-huh. um yeah but i remember my first um e-learn being gamification and then kind of what i always kind of stuck to in terms of what i wanted to make um but obviously gamification isn't right for every solution uh-huh. uh so in terms of specialization um right now i would say specialization is more you know appeasing the corporate element of, of the needs of training and then slipping in the gamification where appropriate. Were you a big Nintendo kid? More of a PlayStation kid, actually. PlayStation. Um, don't be wrong, I like my nan had a had an NES and I'd, I'd sit there and play it for a long, long time and that was, that was a console. And is that where you're drawing from in terms of your uh, gamification sort of uh, theory and design knowledge? Uh, look, kind of. It's a, it's a very different kind of gamification what they use in those kind of triple a games what i found is that the hardest thing in my opinion when it comes to instructional design is actually getting the learner to want to learn Mm -hmm. um, or want to sit down and do an e-learn or want to sit down and go through 30 minutes of anything so when i was kind of plotting of how to do certain things gamification was more was less of a oh i'm really passionate about it at the start and more of a oh this could be a neat way for someone to unlock a key that opens a door then yeah. they find the answer um, or a point structure or something like that to really kind of make them want to learn. Um, obviously, different different audiences like different things. It's it's very hit or miss, I, I, I've found. You've probably said something there, so I, I hadn't really thought about that, but, you know, it might be. It might go back to me and my friends playing games all through high school, and that's why I'm drawn to it. And you've got a couple of LearnX awards along the way for that? Yes, yes. So, um 
but one of the things that I'm proud of most is the is the Foxtel onboarding program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is something that we once again um, had a, had a good amount of time to develop. Um, I think it was about three or four months where we developed a start to finish uh, onboarding experience for new employees. Yeah. Uh, so this included everything from kind of automated messages, getting that manager on board so they know their favorite chocolate so they can have it ready on their desk, um, a merch pack with all branding that we created as well and all color schemes that we created. But to top it off was a, was an e-learning module and that e-learning module was a, um, it sounds long, but it, it was probably a four or five hour module that they could complete over a number of weeks. Um, and each section kind of had a, a different theme. So like a backstage pass into what we do. And there was a whole VR kind of um, you headset or paper headset. Um, this paper is actually like a really nice cardboard, like a plastic cardboard that they could slot their phone into and actually um, have a VR experience of our, our studios <laughs> in Sydney. Yeah, so, so you're converting a phone into a VR yeah, yeah. So they were putting it in front of their eyes. Oh, it was, yeah, it was great, and and it looked really nice. Um, that would, which was which was amazing, and and also what we did, um, and you can probably tell from my excitement of how I talk about it. But yeah. uh-huh. um, we also had some stars kind of come in, so we had a lot of football stars. So in our oh my god, AFL, we had. Um, not sure if you have it over there, but it's like selling houses um, or love it or list it. So we had uh, Andrew Winter, um, who was really uh-huh. big in the UK. Um, he introduced the whole onboarding program. When he was filming one of the episodes, we actually got the camera crew to actually film the intro intro to our e-learn. I'd say there's, there's about 20, 25 um, different stars of various levels of, of stardom. That's got to be the most spectacular onboarding program I've ever heard of. Yeah, it, um, well, it, it won those awards, as I, as I mentioned. Um, it won the Platinum Award, so it was like the top yeah. award of, of the Lernex. It um, doesn't seem fair, though. <laughs> you had it, all it really that star doesn't, power. Doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, on top of that, Foxtel had 10 different offices around the world, and when you clicked on an office, it would be greeted by, um, you know, 5 to 20 people from that site. Um, wow. So it was really about, you know, getting the most out of using technology and using multimedia and using, you know, that UX flavor of actually wanting to explore through it. Because, um, you know, you got ticks and you completed sections and things like that as well. So uh-huh. technically, I think it was really good. But you're right, it was um, it was a cheating having, having all those people in there. But what's interesting, though, is it's, it wasn't just the e-learning. It was like a, a blended kind of thing. You had the managers involved and... Different sorts of things happening. Yeah, it's funny how obviously because of COVID, um, things are becoming ninety nine or one hundred percent digital. Yeah. Um, and even though I live in that space, I love that space. That's where I make my money. Um, I don't think anything really beats blended real life people interaction mm-hmm. and a mixture of digital to really bump that up. So. We're jumping more to the more to your current uh, career. Uh, you had the very exciting experience of starting a new business during a pandemic. Mm. Why did you tell us a little bit about that? No, thank you for asking. Um, so yes, Obsidia that you mentioned at the start. So um, pandemic hit. Eighty um, percent of my team at Foxtel got made redundant. Um, just due to the nature of the business, uh, obviously um, we had to tighten up. Went from this big monopoly to have, to having competitors, 
Um, so certain things were happening regardless of COVID. Um, but yeah, so a lot of my, a lot of those mentors, a lot of those people that I still talk to now, I still work with some of them now. Um, yeah, left. Um, and this is people from our, you know, head of L and D to, to across OD, across all the kind of things that touch L and D. So it ended up just being, um, myself and one other instructional designer, um, who I, you know, admire greatly. Um, and yeah, so it kind of, it, it dawned on me that I, um, I, I had the cloud shift and it was like, oh, Dean, this job's not forever. Um, I know you love it. I know that you wanted to stay here and you had great people around you, but um, it's time to understand that a job is a job um, and you're working for a corporation. <laughs> so with that on the side, I had a uh, like a small um in Australia, we call it sole trader business, where it's just a, a one-person gig. Mm. You're offering a service, um, you know, and, and it's quite easy at tax time to just say you're a sole trader and here's my small amount that I earned. Um, so with that, I had started, you know, on weekends and at nights doing little bits here and there of either a little bit of learning design work, a little bit of uh, consulting, um, some videography, some photography, um, just little bits and pieces from my skill set that I was happy to, you know, utilize and work with. Yeah. Um, so I, so I kind of sat there once those clouds had parted. Um, that small business, like the small sole trader business, was sitting there, and I was like, oh, you know, like I probably should start to really think about, um, you know, pu- uh, pushing that or, or, or molding that a little bit. Um, and around that same time where my head started turning over those months, I got dinner with a couple of friends and um, one of those friends whose name is Mitch, um, I reconnected with. Um, he, I, I knew him in high school. Um, we had a close kind of friend group uh, and I kind of reconnected with him at dinner and he was kind of talking about, you know, certain things that he had done since high school and, uh, he's a qualified teacher. Um, he uh, lived in Thailand for a little bit. He had like a restaurant business over there and um, he was getting really, uh, really into 3D. Um, and 3D excites me because it's part of my skill set that I don't have. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we kept talking and uh, kept going back and forward for, for many weeks um, and kept getting dinner dinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that kind of evolved into us really going, hey, like, okay, we, we're both really passionate about this. It's not because of money reasons. It's not because of desperation. Um, you know, we, we should really just, you know, slowly start to evolve this thing and and have a, you know, a, a beta period where we, we test our offering and we test what we can do for, for people or clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we did. So, um we went, we went about it very kind of slowly. Um, obviously, being COVID, um, we didn't have to rush, um, nor would, would have we, because we, we're both kind of the, both planners um, and we like to do things um, properly. So there was none of this uh, startup, uh, agile methodology, pump it out in four weeks and go to market. Right. Um, we, we sat there, we developed a brand guideline, our our values kind of went really organizational development on it Mm -hmm. um for many months um then we started to collect portfolio items that were done previously and we actually started to work on some other ones uh 
not knowing that uh, a couple of clients would start jumping in um, before we before we needed or wanted them. Right. Um, so we had a couple of kind of bigger clients um, jump in, um, which helped uh, greatly with social proofing and, and things like that down the track. But um, that's kind of how Obsidia started. To uh, to get to your question, sorry, I think I went a little bit a little bit far there. I kept going. And, and you do. Um... So you have an e-learning arm and a digital a marketing arm. Uh, it's it's more like a, a learning and development arm. Um, yeah. So you know this that's consulting, learning and development, consulting, e-learning. Um, you know, strategy design. Um, I think OD touches a little bit in there, mm-hmm. um, and then more of a, I would say, more of a digital design arm. So where we're not the marketers where we're going to go and market for you, we, we can still create that kind of marketing material. Um, however, um, what we found um, is that in that beta phase, nearly everything that was coming our way was learning and development related. Uh-huh. Um, so in the past couple of months, we've been shifting some of those values and some of those things that we worked hard on um, to be more, uh, directly learning and development. So uh, over the next couple of months, if people check the website right now, you'll probably go, oh, okay, they do they do quite a lot. Um, they cast a wide net. We're going to uh, make that net a little bit smaller and go specifically learning and development. Okay, so I noticed you had the, the uh, TOA Global Academy and the, uh, the dog bed company, those are both clients of uh, Obsidian? No, no. So, um, so I work a full-time job still. Uh, as I was exiting Foxtel, I was ready to go completely full-time into Obsidia like Mitch is um, at the moment. Um, however, my one of those old bosses from Foxtel came knocking, uh-huh. um, sold me the dream of this, this new kind of company. Well, it's not a new company, but it's a new kind of arm of a company. Um, and got me really excited about some things that I didn't have at my skill set. So in Australia, we have RTOs, um, which are registered training organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're the ones that kind of set up the pre-university qualifications to, you know, either create a pathway to university or create qualifications that are job specific. Um, so TOA Academy um, is that. So I actually work a full-time job while um, running the business with Mitch. Um, as co-founders, uh-huh. uh, and then the Dogbed Company is a uh, is actually a company um, that I own a little bit of, um, and we sell uh, orthopedic dog beds. So dog beds that are actually really oh. good for a dog's back. Yeah, so, so it's like it's basically a, like a, a human bed. You're a uh, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. They look great. They look like Casper beds, which is the yes, the, brand yes, of they the are. Yes, uh, thing, yeah. Yeah, no, they um, it's very similar to Casper. Actually, I actually love Casper's um, branding and approach. So, yeah, we actually have some people <laughs> that um, laid with their dog on the bed, and then they they hit us up to create uh, queen size beds um, for them, or or just order the extra large for their their own kind of comfort. Really? Um, so we have some people uh, sleeping on our dog beds as well. So they're um. The, the, you can actually, for those that are listening, if you do want to look that up, it's uh, paulpedics.com. Yeah. Uh, .au. We do ship internationally, and you can actually see inside the bed how we yeah. support 
support dogs. (laughs) (laughs) There's the plug, sorry. (laughs) You've got a lot of of things happening. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Okay, so I want to move on and ask you this question. Uh, What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? Great question. Um, Mum says a vet. Uh, I asked mum a couple of years ago what I what I wanted to be uh, a vet, um, but then through kind of high school that changed to a primary school teacher, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, I didn't go to uni for it and and went down that weird Sea World office path instead and and wound up where I am. Yeah, but but now you're you're fixing dog posture, so I guess. Uh... The vet thing came back to you, one way or another. Yes. Well, yeah. And the and the primary school teaching, I guess you know my my job is is training. So and and teaching people things. So I guess those two things did did work out. <laughs> it's in some way a different way, but in some way or another. All right. There's two things I wanted to ask that I want to circle back to. What is the name of Cydia from? You'd pro- you're probably gonna laugh, but that took us two months. Um, to to kind of plan and 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 really we we spoke through a couple of things we were um, I'm a big lover of um, uh, traveling to Japan um, so for a while there we were trying to get some kind of you know Japanese sounding name um, however um, it's not very marketable um, so we kind of went along the path of trying to find something that uh, spoke about ideas. Um, one of our big values is turning ideas into stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, okay, idea, idea. We sat on that for a while. Then we ordered something strong, so like something like a strong idea or, or a powerful idea. Um, and Obsidian um, is, you know, very classic, very premium, very powerful. Um, so I think, you know, Obsidia idea or Obsidia, um, powerful idea um, or strong idea or premium idea because we really want it to be premium. Um, that's kind of where the name came from. Mm-hmm. That's a nice name. Thank you. Uh, you also mentioned 3D, and uh, I'm not quite mm. sure how that fits into the pictures. And I'm not even sure what you were talking about, whether it's 3D, uh, 3D images, or uh, or what. Yeah. So as I, as I mentioned, we we cast a pretty big net um, in when we're during beta and, and even on launch day. Uh, so that 3D back then. Um, spoke about architectural visualization, uh, 3D walkthroughs of areas. So let's say, you know, someone had a, a certain room and they wanted to, you know, walk around in 3D, we could kind of do that. Um, also 3D objects or products. So, um, you know, that, that, that could have been for marketing purposes. However, all of those things um, translate to learning and development. So when it comes to those 3D walkthroughs, mm-hmm. um, now ignore ignore a house that you walk through and put put a learner inside of a crane. Let's say a new crane model comes out, and they've actually got to put themselves in the seat, press the right buttons that do the right things. So you're actually in a 3D environment doing those things. So yeah, like just imagine like imagine an e-learn um, where the viewport that you're looking at is the viewport of a crane, and then uh, you've actually got a, a th- let's say you know 20 buttons and a 3D toggle. Um, and you can actually move that toggle and the crane actually moves. Um, uh-huh. And then you cool. can press a button and the crane goes down, up, et cetera. So, so like a simulator. Mm, yeah, like a simulation, yeah. Um, and then I mentioned, um, you know, products and things like that. So, 
you know, uh, probably one of the best examples that most people understand when we explain it is uh, for medicine, you know, when you've got like a 3D heart and you actually pull out different sections of the heart or break mm-hmm. it up. Um, so, you know, Mitch comes in handy in there with, with his knowledge. So if we needed to, you know, pull apart a heart or pull apart an engine, um, right? we have one potential client at the moment that uh, we may be developing some kind of machinery for with their, with their pet food production. Um, so that might, instead of it just being a, a 2D image or an infographic, we could actually recreate the, the machine and actually have someone press a button, actually see the machine go through and then put little you know tidbits of learning through hunt i gotcha yeah that's Mm. great so before we move on what do you do to stay sane when you're not working um i hang out with my fiance i hang out with my friends um oh congratulations on the fiance by the way oh thank you cheers yeah thank you um yeah so i just i kind of just um turn off and and go get dinner with friends or um i have a motorbike go riding yeah um yeah, so, uh, literally four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But um, but it's been a nice pastime. So went today, and it's just um, yeah, it's great. But um, yeah, really, really, just hang out with people and and not think about anything work related uh, or business related at all. Um, but as 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 I kind of mentioned with all those kind of moving parts, um, I'm having to make sure I make time for that. That's the two-minute warning. To wrap up, I'd like to ask a 10-question survey from the Actor Studio TV show. So the idea is just to say the first thing that pops into your mind. Yep. All right? Fantastic. Okay. Yep. So what is your favorite word? Uh, melancholy. Why melancholy? Uh, I just love the, the meaning, so feeling of thoughtful sadness. Um, uh-huh. I think, yeah, I just, I, I, I heard that once and it just stopped me in my tracks and I thought yeah. about it and I'm like, wow, what a word. It is a beautiful word, actually. Mm. What is your least favorite word? Uh, I don't know. I just, um, I'm not a fan of the C word. Um, ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. A lot of Australians use it and it's like, oh, that's kind of, oh, nah. Yeah, that's true. You know, Jim Jeffries is the first comedian <laughs> that I heard over here using that a lot. Thinking, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's kind and of a normal else? word here. I still don't like yeah. it. Yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, when something looks super nice and I can use it easily. <laughs> and what turns you off? Uh, something that's clunky. Okay, what is your favorite curse word? I don't know. I don't, I don't, don't swear very often. There you go. No. Um, yeah. All right, I'm not going to force you to. What sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of trains. And what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, when people um, eat with a fork or a spoon and they bite the fork or spoon when they eat. Good one. Mm. What, what <laughs> profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Uh, hairdressing. And what profession would you not like to do? Probably bricklaying. You're out in the sun. Mm. Mm. Now, hairdressing, you have a great haircut in your photo on your website. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. When I was uh, 12 years old or 13, I think, I, I went down to Tasmania, which is the very bottom of Australia. Uh-huh. And my uh, my auntie um, took me to a hairdresser and they dyed my hair uh, black to my mum's uh, anger. And they gave me like a, an emo haircut. So like it was a very tame version of a goth. So black hair and, and like over the eye. Um, anyways, I got back to school and 
and I went from uh, girls not being interested <laughs> to being interested. So um, oh. I've uh, since that point, so, I've been very, very attached to um, what my hairstyle is. I see a key turning point in your life then. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> Didn't think we'd be talking about that. <laughs> so the last question is what I'm starting to call the heaven question. If heaven mm. exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, God, that's a, oh, that's a good question. I don't know how to word it, but like I'm, I'm big on nostalgia. Um, and nostalgia actually makes me quite sad how certain things become irrelevant or, or mm. no one talks about anymore. I would love for him to say, like, there's, there's, ro- there's a room for everything or something. So, like, if someone liked a certain thing from the early 90s that, it's not even online anymore and no one talks about it. I'd love to like have a room where I could go in and, and talk about that with people. It's kind of like Reddit. That's yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> which is, very, which yeah, is where we met. Like so. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so there's Reddit, there's Reddit in heaven. Yeah. Very yeah, good. There's Reddit in heaven. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot. This has been great. That's good. No, thank you very much for, for having me on. I'm excited to listen to the episode and, and hear your future guests. And um, yeah, hopefully in six to 12 months' time, I'll, I'll jump back on and we'll retouch base. And I've got some cousins in Melbourne I might visit one day, so I'll look you up. Mate, if you're ever down here, just hit me up. All right. The ID Fanatic drops every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. I hope you're inspired to subscribe and read a review. Good, bad, or ugly, let me know what you think. That link again is kite.link slash theidfanatic. You can contact me, Mitch Moldovsky, on LinkedIn, and I hope that you and yours have a totally awesome week. Bye, bye, bye.